Hi, I'm Stargate Pioneer from Better Podcasting, a proud member of the Guinea Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now, the opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at guineageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Undaunted, where each episode I talk with fellow podcasters from all walks of life and discuss what went well, what went wrong, and what just didn't matter. We'll share the good, the bad, the many laughs and lessons along the way. I'm Amos, and today I'm joined by Jilly Smith, aka at Jilly Smith of the Delicious Podcast at deliciousmagazine.co.uk um, and also at jillysmith.com. So people can just find you everywhere. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, very good, thank you. Somebody's been literally with headphones on and absolutely immersed in podcasts all the day. I'm just feeling a little bit released here. <laughs> well, I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad you're starting to feel comfortable for the day. That always makes for a better conversation. Um, you, you're actually really busy and you're fairly new to podcasting. This isn't something you've been doing for, for decades, this is, but you jumped straight in. You're doing several I podcasts did. already. I did. I was kind of doing something completely different and was offered a podcasting position um, by quite a big magazine in Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delicious Magazine is the biggest food magazine. And it's been going years and years and years, and it's kind of building its digital space. And I was interviewing the managing director for something completely different, a book that I'm writing about food history. And he, I was interviewing him with my iPhone and my little broadcast mic um, stuck into the end of my iPhone. And he said, "Are you? do you do all that stuff? And so he kind of gave me the gig. Um, So I'd been working at the university teaching radio production, amongst other things, journalism and television production too. And I thought, why am I teaching the next generation? They're never going to do it as as interestingly as I'm going to (laughs) do. So I kind of jumped straight at the opportunity and I thought, I'll do it myself. Well, that's amazing. Now, have... Has it been like, are you normally a podcast listener? Is that something you normally do and you just had to transition to actually doing it? Or is this a whole new, whole new area for you? Um, bit of both, really. I mean, I've worked in radio for a long time and I was a television producer and I'm a journalist. So I'm very used to telling stories. Um, my preferred medium is audio. Um, so I will listen to podcasts or radio. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd be, as I say, I've been teaching students how to do that, how to kind of paint pictures with audio for, for a while. So that wasn't a tricky one to do. Um, and really, I, with Delicious, certainly, I, I took over from somebody else and I was allowed to do it in the way that I felt that, you know, it, it needed. And uh, so, yeah, I had a kind of carte blanche to do what I wanted to do. That's awesome. Um, and how long did it take you to get really get spun up into the the current world of podcasting? Well, I, my first one was in September last year, and the December one, so, and they were monthly then, and the December one was nominated for a Fortnum and Mason's Award. Jeez, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, can, can you? So now I have all kinds of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, first of all, how how much different? I mean, it's got to be a huge difference between radio and podcasting in some areas, while in others, it's 
it's probably very, very similar. Well, the thing is that in Britain, you've only got speech radio on two programs, really. Radio 4 and Radio 5, both BBC. And I used to work for BBC London, then called GLR. And, you know, there's masses missing from speech radio in, in, in Britain. But I... I suppose I'm kind of dyed in the wool BBC. So, and I listen to, I'm a food journalist and I listen to the food program and the total joy at the Fortnum and Mason award was that I was up against the radio Four food program. Right. Oh my God. That's the best moment of my life. They're one. Of course they did. They were, you know, a huge BBC team with loads of money and, you know, stuff, but to be up against them was great. But, you know, I was basically doing the show that I wanted to hear on, t- on the radio. Um, but as a podcast, um, and, and also remember that I was, I'm working for a magazine. I did two other podcasts, but I'll tell you about that later. Um, but I'm working for a magazine, which has a very particular ethos. They know who their readers are and therefore they know who their listeners are. And so, you know, I am given access to the best chefs in the world. I'm given access to the best food stories. So actually my, my material is all there. I know who I'm talking to, so I'm kind of just filling in the gaps in a way. Nice. So I'm not having to make it up. I'm you, 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 real, genuine podcasters. You know, you're kind of making up. You're being much more sort of innovative, and uh, you know, a lot of you are designing your own shows and and coming up with some really, some really innovative stuff. But I, that's not my brief. That's not what I'm about at all. I'm literally delivering really what I think are really important food messages. Um, to people who really are interested in them anyway. So a, a little bit of a confession here. Before I went through and did all of my research, the first thing I do is, okay, you've got some podcasts list, listed. I'll go through and just give them, give them a listen. So I kind of know what kind of podcasts you shoot for, how you, how you maintain them and things like that. And mm-hmm. as soon as I started listening to your podcast, every time it was like, this is a magazine article brought to life with actual audio some of the ambiance of the of the uh, of the stage. It's I I don't know if that's like post production or if that's yeah. live, but it's just it's done in a way that really it pulls you there, and has you oh. has you in the conversation. And I I, I, I thought I, I thought originally that you know this is a this is really good. It, it, this would be a really good news program, and it it, it sounds like I'm reading an article in my head, and it's all coming to life through my ears. That's what it sounded like. Oh, you. Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. That's really kind. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and and I don't, I, I don't hear that a lot on podcasts. Um, I don't hear it a lot. You know, obviously, you get the downloads of the radio programs, but that's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really excited when I, I was still working at the university when I first started working with Delicious, and I had this idea that. You know, I was developing a whole new kind of digital world of, of journalism and that the students on who I'd been teaching would go into this brave new world and that all magazines would have podcasts like Delicious one day. And, and I hope they do, because my goodness, we really need journalists to go into paid work mm. and to use those journalism skills to, um, to, to in, in a market that actually pays them. Um, so another podcaster, Brady Huron, he has talked about how when he worked in news in newspaper in in London, that a lot of times he would just phone it in. He would just sit in his office, make phone calls, and not actually go out and meet the people. And then 
within about a year or so of working at the at the paper, he un- finally understood that if you go out and you meet the people you're talking to and you see the scenery, it paints a better picture for you and therefore translates better to the the medium that you're using. It, you know, of course, for him it was the newspaper. Um, I think that same experience is, is is available with your with the podcast the way you hold it. It's that yeah, I can read it on paper, but actually hearing it and it it, it almost takes it there. And of course, you have to be there because that's how you get the interview. So I, I I think it's really really good and kind of kind of unique. I don't hear a lot of lot of uh, interviews and and topics discussed the way that you have it on your podcasts. Well, that's really kind, and that's what I tried to do. Um, you know, when I said to the the delicious team what I wanted to do, I said I wanted to take the readers behind the scenes of what they do for the magazine. I wanted to take them by the hand Mm -hmm. and introduce them to these amazing chefs and these really kooky small producers and take them, you know, to the markets and take them to, I I mean, I'm just been spending day today uh, editing a piece from the earthquake zone in Italy. And we're talking to a lentil producer who survived three earthquakes, one after the other, and it was absolutely terrifying for her. And you can hear it in her voice, mm. you know. And and you kind of need to be there to to be able to tell that story. That's that's amazing. Now I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what your first podcast that you listened to was. My first podcast. Uh, well, I mean, This American Life is my favorite. Um, I was in San Francisco last year and I was, I was staying with an Airbnb host and he told me about this place called Toast around the corner and that it had been featured on This American Life. And I, I mean, I'd listened to This American Life when I was teaching students and Radio Lab and all those kind of things. Um, but the way that they told this story about this really eccentric, she, I mean, she's a woman with mental illness, but she had found herself through this amazing coffee bar called Toast. And it was so beautifully told. And I thought, I want to do that. And, you know, I have little little dreams of doing a, this British life where I would go and interview homeless people or, you know, kind of just sit down and chat with the kind of the mad eccentric people that I see all the time mm-hmm. and, and just hear their stories. And I, lo- I love that kind of thing. And I think that audio is the particularly good medium for that. Because you kind of, you sit back and you relax with audio, don't you? You're not going anywhere. Well, you are. You may be going somewhere. You may be on a train or you're in a car, whatever. But you can just kind of, just chill out. And really, it's it's slow listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The equivalent of slow food. <laughs> um, that, that's actually something I've been, I thought about doing when I first started podcasting was uh, in my little community where I lived in Abilene, Texas, there was a... I want to say a large homeless population, but a a significant one, and all, many of them were veterans. And I thought about going around and just asking veterans their stories and things like that, but uh, never never found the time to make that happen, which is unfortunate. Now I'm a, now I'm in Alaska, and there's much smaller concentration of of, of displaced veterans up here. So um, that sounds yeah. that really sounds well. Exciting, those those are the stories that need to be heard. And you know, the lovely thing about audio is that you know it's fairly easy to keep those files forever and particularly if they're out on on the internet and and i think that there should be we've got a really interesting project here in britain again done by radio 4 um by someone who i used to work with at bbc london way back when and it's called the listening project 
And it does just that. It, it's just little 15-minute pieces, uh, sometimes five minutes. Um, and it's just conversations between two people, just anybody, just Joe Blogs, mother and son, you know, father and daughter, whoever they are, best friends from when they were 10. But it's, they are stored at the British Library forever. <clears throat> Okay. And I think that's a wonderful idea, you know, just to kind of get a snapshot of, of, of a life, um, snapshot of a time. And audio does that beautifully. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Now, you've been, you said your first podcast was back in September, and we are currently recording this. It's June. So let's add about nine months. Yeah. In that nine, in those nine months, what are some of the lessons you've learned on on how to make the podcast and how to make it better and how not to make it? Well, I thought at first, the first four that I did, I thought that I had to give it over to um, the guy who did all the technical stuff at the university. So I would go out and do all the stuff and I'd edit it and then everything would be in place and I'd layer it up because I do quite a lot of production on it. So I've, I've got at least three tracks going on, mm-hmm. um, the music, the links, the Atmos, the, you know, and it's, it's all quite a lot of work that goes into it. But then I would give it to somebody else to do the mix down. And I thought that he was doing an okay job. That was fine. It was fine. But I kind of felt a bit vulnerable. I felt like I was being a bit girly and silly, you know, passing it over when actually I just needed to learn that stuff. Right. And I looked at, you know, I use Pro Tools and, and I looked at all those meters and like, oh, my God, I have no <laughs> idea what to do. And I still don't know what to gain and all those things do. I have no idea. But I had two friends who have done loads and loads of radio and they taught me. And so now I can do it all. And I feel so much better about it and I remember one of those friends I asked has been working at Radio 4 forever and you have to understand that Radio 4 is like oh I don't know what's your poshest you know kind of up there equivalent of the BBC type I mean it's PBS isn't it and TV but I don't know what your radio equivalent is but it's like super super you know only people from Oxford and Cambridge go to work at the radio at Radio 4 mm. you know that kind of thing right and I always felt that I, I, I couldn't possibly be in the same bracket. And he told me a couple of weeks back, he said, I don't know why you're so worried about this. It's great. You know, the quality of what you're doing is just really straightforward. And, 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 that, and so I do it all now and I feel much, much more confident. I think I thought really for the first four months until I got that nomination from the, the Fortnum and Masons. And that was, so I got that about six weeks after that went out. I really didn't think that I could be counted amongst, well, certainly podcasters because it wasn't innovative and in the same way as you guys do it. And I didn't think that, you know, it wasn't as good as Radio 4. So I kind of, I now, my big lesson to myself is it's great, you know, just go out and do it because I'm having such fun doing it. I might as well, you know, enjoy the fact that actually it's, it's really good quality. Now you you keep mentioning you know innovative in the way that we podcasters do it as opposed to how you're doing it, but I still think that the way that you're holding your podcast is fairly innovative. So what what is it what what uh, what link is it that that's missing there that you consider yourself a, a genuine podcaster as opposed to um, a, a magazine audio article editor or something? 
no you're right you're absolutely right and i i just hadn't heard that before um i get the impression from you know i'm on the the facebook podcasters um support group and uh you know which is where we met Mm -hmm. and i i suppose i get the impression from them and from the podcasts that go up that they that i mine is uh, that somebody made reference the other day to a media uh some people replicate existing media formats was was what they said and i thought oh well, i suppose i do that um and then it was a kind of a dismissive thing that's you know i i find that completely uh ridiculous to be honest with you because the, the in in my opinion now this is this is me i'm i'm not like a big mega star in the podcasting world or anything else but as a listener for going on going on 10 years and as a creator going uh, just under three years, podcasting is, is, is taking an audio format and sometimes a video format and making it a easily downloadable and digestible form of entertainment or, or um, special interest or news, whatever the subject matter is and however you conduct it, I don't know that that really necessarily matters as much as getting it out there and having it to where again it's it's easily downloadable and digestible. I think that's that's the heart of podcasting. Great. Well, I'm you know, I'm really I, I've learned something already. I I don't get to speak to many other podcasters apart from in the support group and to be honest, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in that group um anyway largely because I'm working all the time. Um <laughs> and so I don't get to to kind of you know, compare it. And that's a really interesting insight. So thank you. Really appreciate that. Well, I mean, you, you know, you take, you take things how, how, however they come to you and that, that's just how it is to me. Um, so now you have achieved certain levels of success. I mean, you can't, you can't deny that you've been nominated for awards and things independently, not like something that, uh, you know, you, your boss nominated you for. It's something that came to you and it's a fairly prestigious mm-hmm. thing. But how do you measure your success and what grade would you give yourself? So, okay, so I'm doing three different podcasts. So I suppose the, the one that I would measure the success of most is with is Delicious because that's the main one. And I'm starting to get interest from sponsors now. Um, you know, it's still difficult. Um, so it's still difficult to make enough money to, you know, it's, I'm under the living wage if I were to do it pro rata, you know, but I'm starting to get interest from, from sponsors now. So that's a, that's a measure of success. Um, that'll make life a lot easier. Um, I think also I need to turn the brief really is to turn the, the thousands, the hundreds of thousands of delicious readers into delicious podcast listeners and I certainly don't have hundreds of thousands of listeners. And I'm still playing around with my team. Um, you know, I work very closely with the editor and the publishing director and the digital editor on how, what kind of things can we do? So I know what works. The The biggest um, success was the one that was actually nominated and it was on the iTunes carousel. So there was a picture of Rick Stein on the, on the, on the iTunes carousel. That went through the roof in terms of listeners. So I know, but that, 
but I've interviewed people who are a lot more famous than than Rick Stein, um, uh, Jamie Oliver, for example. But because he wasn't on the iTunes carousel, it didn't go ballistic in the same way as uh, the Rick Stein one. Plus, because it was nominated for the Fortnums, people kept looking at it because the Fortnum and Masons Awards were in May, mm-hmm. and that one went out in December, January, actually January, and. Um, so people were looking at it with all the press build up to the Fortnum Masons Awards. So how you get people to listen, I'm still working on. Um, we did something really controversial last month, which was um, the Dartmoor Hill Ponies Association got in touch with me and said that their Dartmoor, you, you know, Dartmoor in Devon is a fantastic conservation center and it has the, the very famous Dartmoor ponies on it that have been there for 4,000 years. And there's a real, ecological disaster waiting to happen because the farmers can't afford to keep the ponies and so they have to put them down under a year they have to slaughter the ponies under a year so i did this piece asking you know basically making the case for pony meat Mm. if the farmers it wasn't my idea but uh and i couldn't really i certainly couldn't eat it (laughs) but the woman from the dartmoor hill pony association was making the case very very well that if there was a market for pony meat, then the ponies could be kept alive for three years, which allows the ecological ecosystem to continue Mm. and to bring butterflies and the bees to Dartmoor. And it was a really good, very well-balanced piece. So we put it out to all the delicious readers and we said, you know, listen to the podcast for the full debate and then let's do this survey. How many of you would ever eat pony meat? Well, they didn't listen to the to the podcast and they just went we would never eat that i'm unsubscribing from the magazine if you can talk about things like that you know it was a it was a really divisive uh subject for them but the ones who said no and complained some people actually even wrote to the editor um (laughs) didn't listen yeah so how do you translate readers into listeners uh, so I've tried the celebrity stuff and I always have celebrity chefs and celebrities in, in, in the podcast. Um, I've tried the really divisive, really controversial stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I still think it's quite young. You know, in, in America, you've, you've got, you're really way ahead of us in podcasts. People listen to podcasts. It's still fairly new here. One could argue that it's still fairly new here with a few standouts. We've got, you know, a dozen or so shows that are production companies that really put out a lot of, a lot of content and have a lot of listeners, but the rest of us are still trying to fill in all those little gaps underneath. So, um, I mean, it's only the, the whole medium is only 11, but 13 years old, as opposed to television and radio that have been around for a hundred years. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. What do you do to, to get your listeners? Right. <laughs> That's actually one of the reasons I started one of the one of the reasons I started this podcast was trying to find new ways of getting people to listen to our, our my main show, the Ritual Misery Podcast, and to learn some of the lessons through the 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 stories of fellow podcasters instead of having to repeat them myself. And what it, what it's turned out to is that's a that's a very common problem is you know hey I've got a small audience how do I make it a big audience how do I get feedback how do I translate this medium into this medium and 
you know, I've got this one podcast that's huge and this other podcast that I really love that's just not going anywhere. Why can't those two, you know, level out? And, and I still think podcasting is very young, which is why I really enjoy this, creating this, uh, this particular podcast and getting the stories of people that are actually doing it or that have done it um, and, and, and making it all worthwhile. But you have, you said yeah. you have th- three podcasts and you've told us about yeah. one. Now, how um, now you have two more that, or that you're doing. I'm sure there's some, some measure of success that you're balancing those against. It's not just the readers and the listeners. Well, so the second podcast um, was with Borough Market, um, and you'll have maybe have heard of the attacks uh, at Borough Market last week yep. in London. Um, and so Borough Market is the most amazing place in London. It is full of really amazing small producers. And I love the stories of the small producers, food producers, you know, people who've really gone out on a limb to to just change their life and do the things that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And so the Borough Market is full of really happy people doing amazing things with amazing produce and really changing the world. And so I went to Borough Market's marketing people because, I mean, I, they came to me anyway because they have lots of stories for me for Delicious. And I said to them, why are you not doing a podcast? And they went, oh, my God, we've been thinking about that. And, I, I mean, I don't know many people who do food podcasts. So I said to them, let me do it. And they said, okay. So I did eight uh, weekly programs for them about uh, some of the different producers. And that was great. So they were about 20 minutes long. And now I do the Borough Talks, which is a panelist's show um, discussing various food issues. Um, And there would have been one last Tuesday, but the market was still closed after the terrorist attacks. So um, I'll be doing that again soon. The problem with... um, with that is it's totally down to them to um to make it work and at delicious it's a bigger magazine it's a bigger digital team but they're much more into what i do and we worked much more together as a team whereas borough market kind of do their own thing um so i can't really measure the success of that other than oh yeah i've got one measure of success on that one um, my husband, who's not a foodie at all, he listened to Charlie Foster from Turnips, Fruit and Veg, who is about as as typical a borough market boy as you could possibly get. His family have been there for generations. And my husband said to me afterwards, after I played it to him, he said, I could listen to that guy talk all day. He said, I'm not particularly interested in his carrots and his tomatoes from Sicily, but the passion of the guy. But what he loves is just so, you know, listenable. So that was my great moment. That's awesome. Um, and with Compassion and World Farming, now that's just started. We haven't even launched that one yet. And that's really interesting because it's a world campaign to end factory farming with the CEO of Compassion and World Farming, Philip Limbury. And he's really well known and he's a best selling author. And so, That'll be really interesting to see how that works to actually run a campaign because the whole purpose of it is to get re- those, those messages out in a really accessible way. But actually, the, the, the whole point of it is to end factory farming. So, you know, can we build a worldwide campaign through a podcast? How cool would that be? Yeah, definitely. Now, you, you've been in the podcasting game directly for about nine months and 
with everything that you've done, you've got three shows, you're starting new ones, and everything's going going pretty well for you. How, what advice would you give people that are either just getting into podcasting and just want to start theirs or they haven't started it yet? And what advice would you give the podcasters that have been doing it for 10 or 12 years? So I think really the answer is the same for both of them in that um, I think that you need to tell stories. Um, again, going back to this American life, you know, it's a it's not about Ira Glass, you know, it's not about him. And I think one of the problems with podcasting is that it's all a bit, well, you know, when you hear a couple of people in a studio just having a bit of a laugh. It's it's all a bit navel-gazing. It's all a bit like uh, watching other people have a good time or listening to other people having a good time and you're not invited. I think, that, you know, because it's, it's the same with radio. Great radio is just you and the person who's talking to you. It's a really intimate experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you said that you felt like I'd taken you to these places, that's what I think all audio is for it's inclusive and it's intimate and it's, it's a beautiful relationship. Um, so don't, don't lock people out, you know, wow. speak directly to them. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, that's a good, and I think that that's, that's the same for everyone, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, I, I think, I think it could, could very much apply to everyone. Especially if you're if you're doing something that's very internal, and uh, I've I've talked to a lot of people that are doing podcasts. It's basically just them talking to their friend, and they don't want and don't expect any feedback from anybody. And they're not trying to. They're just basically goofing off and and enjoying themselves and putting that out there. And, and they're getting people to listen. And I I always think it's it's just more important than than that. Um, to, you know, if you get the feedback and if you can get people involved and you can get them to where they feel like they're there and they're listening to the conversation in person or they're they're taken to a new place and experiencing something by the the medium that you're using, I think that's that's way more important. So I, I completely agree with you. That's that's great advice for everybody. Thank you. But you know, it's not to say that I don't think that there's some value for other people in you know, having people listen into you just goofing off, as you call it. You know, my daughter, she's 18 and she loves just watching people on Instagram and Snapchat. And she loves watching other people's worlds and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And she gets a real kick. And, I, you know, thousands, millions of people do about looking at other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Nah, it's not really for me. <laughs> I, I've, I, I'm very passionate about my subject. And, you know, I think that food is a, a, a way it's it's something that so many people are really interested in and it includes a lot of really important messages that actually can save the planet you know food is about you know being careful being respectful to the land and the animals and and with that comes a whole ecological message about the planet and climate change mm -hmm. and so i want people to listen to me and so i want to be able to talk to them so that they will listen very cool. And I want their feedback. <laughs> yes. And that's, oh my gosh, that's always so hard to, hard to, to capture is people's feedback. It's, 
Yeah. It's actually, it, oddly enough, it's really compared to getting feedback from people, it's easy to interrupt their lives and inject your, yourself into their lives and get them to listen to your stuff. And then to get the feedback from that is, it's like an extra, you know, completely different, different uh, effort. And it's, yeah, that's the hardest part of podcasting, if you ask me, is just getting the feedback and getting the involvement. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're we're coming up to, towards the end of it. Uh, is there anything that, that we haven't discussed? Any other stories that you'd like to tell, or is there anything that I've missed that you really feel is important in your pod journey, and that you that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think that um, again, it's something about me being such a big audio fan because I have worked in all the media. Um, so you know, television, radio. I write books. I write magazine and newspaper articles and now I do podcasts and I in my experience it's the podcasts that have uh engaged people uh the people I'm interviewing more than any other so you know that earthquake thing for example oh no actually the other one I edited today I, I went to San Patriano which is a rehabilitation center in Italy uh, to, for drug addicts who make amazing food. Mm. They make all sorts of things there, but I was doing a piece about their food. And these people have to be there for at least three years. They have to detox before they start, and then they have to sign up for at least three years. Wow. And it's all done, all the, the rehabilitation is not done through counseling, therapy, anything like that. It's all done through peer support and hard work towards really excellent produce. It's amazing. They make the most amazing cheese that, again, is sold in Fortnum and Mason and Selfridges and, you know, it's all over the world. But in order to be able to make this work, I had to get them to tell me their stories. And when I was working in television, you know, we'd have had to bring the lights in. We'd have had to have a crew. We'd have had to test for the levels. And, the, you know, these people <laughs> would have been sitting there waiting to go on for about half an hour, right. yeah? And I, some researcher would have to be sitting there and making sure they got a cup of tea and, you know, <laughs> keeping them warmed up. None of that with audio. You know, you just take my, I work with a Zoom H4N and I just take it to these people and nobody is listening. There's no lights, there's no camera, there's no action. It's just me and these guys. And so it's down to my ability to uh, get them to trust me without any of these other things in the way. It's mm. just me and the Zoom and them. And what you get from that is some really intimate, intimate, intense relationships. And that, I think, translates really well to the listener. That's awesome. That sounds, that, that, that actually really, really, th that explains why and how your shows sound the way they do. Thank you. But, you know, when I was doing the similar, you know, I'd go when I would be interviewing somebody for a newspaper or a magazine article, I could do the same thing. I could go and, you know, record. I always record because I don't do shorthand. But they would know that their voice wasn't going to be used and mm. that they were also entrusting their story to me to then turn into my words. And I love to write, but my words are going to be my interpretation. Right. Whereas audio, even though I'm editing it, I record not much over like you do. Uh, I don't I don't over record so that I'm not 
editing their stuff into something that it wasn't in the first place. Right. And they know that. I say that to them. So what they give me is much more genuine an experience than any other medium that I've worked with. Excellent. Um, Now, this is the part of the podcast where all podcasters hate it and they all love it because it's such a necessary evil. Where can people find more of Jilly Smith? (laughs) Well, actually, on Jilly Smith, which is G-I-L-L-Y, jillysmith.com I've kind of got all my podcasts there I've just recently started writing a blog again on my largely because I couldn't get into my WordPress site for so long (laughs) (laughs) now I've managed to get back into it so I can actually write about the things I do so you can actually find me at jillysmith.com and listen to all the different podcasts there because I've put the you know the links to all the 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 three different ones I'm doing Um, and you know, just I'll I'll keep I'll keep updating that one because who knows where I'm going to go next. I, I thought it was very interesting that you wrote in your WordPress article, you know, or, well, you wrote in your article on your WordPress site about how it had taken so long to get back into WordPress to write the article that you wanted to write, and it was like very <laughs> it's like a very meta experience that first paragraph. <laughs> Um, okay, so it, and if you uh, if anybody wants to follow me or find out what I'm doing at Ethan Kane on Twitter is the best way to do it. You can follow this show for more great conversations with other podcasters at at Undaunted Cast, and of course you can go over to RitualMisery.com and find out all the projects that I do. Everything that, everything there. It's it's just I I feel it's a little insane actually. Um, and of course, thank you to Kevin McLeod for allowing us to use your music. For me, for Jilly, and for all the aspiring and veteran podcasters out there, thank you for joining us on this journey. Mm-hmm.